You know where our battle is? Right here. Come on, somebody point to where the battle's at. See, it's your mind. And what we don't understand as Christians is that the mind is where it happens every day. I'll even be more specific. It doesn't just happen there every day, the battle. It happens there every moment. Scientifically, we know that you and I think approximately 50,000 thoughts a day. And that basically is a thought a second. You're thinking right now about, about you thinking. And you're thinking about me talking about your thinking. And you're saying, that's pretty weird. And then you're thinking about me looking at some of you while I'm thinking while you're thinking. And you're wondering if I can guess what you're thinking. And I can't guess what you're thinking, but I know you're thinking about me thinking about what you're thinking. Because we're all thinking about thinking. Because we think a lot. And already we thought a whole bunch of thoughts. Right now Nelson is thinking. Right now Charles is thinking. See, everybody's thinking. We all know that we think. Sometimes we don't think our children think, right? Sometimes wives don't think husbands think. They're thinking just not on the things you're thinking about, ladies, okay? We're thinking. You know, when our mind is, you know, just, you know, just going off and we're holding the remote watching the game, we're thinking. We're just thinking about not thinking, and it feels good not to think sometimes about what you're thinking about. So what is the battle? It's our thoughts. Now, when you become born again, what inside of you changes? It's your spirit. The Bible says that the day Adam and Eve ate of the, guard, uh, the tree from the garden, their spirit died. Because they did not fall over dead. They didn't become brain dead. What died that day was their spiritual connection to God. That's why the Bible says they knew that they were naked. And just please, Ish, help them with that pop a little bit. I still hear it. Thank you. They knew that they were naked now. Why? Because the glory of God used to shine all around them. Think of it like this. This light bulb right here in front of me is so bright, I cannot see any of the glass or the wires inside of it. How many know when we shut the light bulb off, you can look at it? How many know right now, because I've looked at it, I'm seeing light bulb spots all over the place right now? Okay? Well, once I shut that light bulb off, electricity leaves, I see now the light bulb itself. But when electricity is flowing through it, what do I see? The energy that comes from it. Are you listening? When man was created, flesh wasn't what it was about. It was about the spirit of man connecting with the spirit of God and the power flowing through them. And that would be glory. That would be the presence of God. And so when I would look at Adam like I would look at Salvador, I wouldn't see Adam's arms and legs in this, in this type of way of recognizing a body or physical form. I would see the glory of God, the image of God on him. But they were told, don't eat of the tree of knowledge and evil, because when you eat of it, you shall surely die. So when they ate of it, what died that day? It wasn't their body. It wasn't their mind. It was their spirit man. And they looked down. They said, oh, I'm naked. Hello. And then they tried to cover themselves up with fig leaves because they knew that nakedness just wasn't right in the flesh. And from that point on, we've been covering our shamefulness and our embarrassment of being naked. Nobody feels really comfortable like that. And you see, it all comes back to the fall. But now, where does the battle lie? Well, I need to accept Jesus into my heart, the Bible says in John chapter 3, and be born again. Okay, so now it's a battle for my soul. Heaven and hell, I'll either go to hell because my spirit's not born again and I'll suffer the punishment of all the things that I've done, or I can accept Jesus, be born again, and have eternal life. Now, if I have eternal life, the Bible says for my soul and in eternity, that battle's been won. Now I know if I die, I go to heaven. How many have been born again? Say amen. If you're born again, you've defeated the devil through Christ Jesus' sacrifice, and you know that when you die, you go to heaven. But now hold on, it's not just over yet. 
because you're not in heaven yet, are you? How many have made it to heaven yet? Okay, you're still on planet Earth. Look at your neighbor and say, are you still with us? Are you a mirage? No, you're still with us, right? Aramis is still with us. Jasmine is still with us. So what's going on right now? There's the battle between the new nature and the old nature. And what do we call this? The battle between your flesh and your spirit. Now, I want you to think about two dogs, if they were about ready to fight each other, and one dog, you fed all of its proteins and vitamins, and you gave the dog everything it needed. Then another dog, you starved, and you didn't give it anything, and it became weak, and its muscles began to deteriorate, and it had nothing. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that that weak dog would win in the fight? No, which dog would win? The one that you fed, the one that became strong. Let me ask you a question. In life, as a Christian, not as a non-Christian, but as a Christian, which one are you feeding every day? Are you feeding your flesh or are you feeding your spirit man? You see, because if you're feeding your flesh, television, and that's all you're feeding on is TV, TV, movies, friends, work, job, you're feeding your flesh. And guess what? When your spirit says, let's pray, you can barely hear it. And when your spirit says, don't give in to temptation, you can't hear it. Why? Because your flesh is so loud. Do this. Be grumpy. Argue. Fight. Look at this pornography. Temptation. Because why? You've been feeding the flesh. So today... Uh, today's lesson, today's message is for you and I to know how to destroy the flesh, how to crucify it as the Bible says, because that's why you're carrying your cross daily, and then how to feed your spirit, man, and how to grow into the things of God. If you're ready, say amen. Okay, come on, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, looking at verse 27. And do not give the devil a foothold. That is a very short verse, but very powerful. Just give me a little bit more highs and work out the lows, please. Thank you. Do not give the devil a foothold. You know what that is? That's a wrestling term. And you know what that means? Those of you who are familiar with wrestling, is these guys would wrestle broken uh, Greco-Roman style. And Greco-Roman style would mean these, it's kind of like sumo, but they're they're big guys, so they're not, you know, really muscular as you would see like today's wrestlers. They were just kind of like big, big, heavy guys. But they would be very strong, and the techniques would be about pushing one another down and then put them into a subjection, submission. And so what would happen is you get two big guys. Let's say you get Josh and Ishmael. Guys, stand up. You guys could be two Greco-Roman wrestlers. Okay, now come over here to the middle, please. Let's get this to the next level. And as you come, please take off your shirts. <laughs> I'm kidding. There ain't nothing wrong. <laughs> okay. And so while these guys would be like this, it would be like Greco-Roman. So put your hand on your shoulder. There you go. Let's don't get too serious now. Now, now, the whole deal would be a foothold would be like Ish putting his feet in a very compromising position. That's a foothold. There you go. Or if he would put his foot around Josh like this and then cause him to trip. You guys see it? Or a foothold. Do that one more time. There you go. There you go. Now go down, Josh. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Let's give it up for them. Let's give it up. Amen. Okay. Because if you have a foothold on somebody, they're going down. 
You know, you ever been tripped? Come on, you've ever played those games where you guys trip each other? Bam, you go down. And so what's the Bible saying? Do not give the devil that foothold because you're going down. You do not want to do that. So we have to be aware of where the battle is. We have to be aware of where he's fighting us and what he's trying to do to us. And so today I want to give you some scriptures. Turn with me, excuse me, to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14. I want to show you some things about what the Bible says about your mind. You've probably never heard this many scriptures as you're going to hear today about your mind. Go to chapter 3, verse 14. And also go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Uh, start in chapter 4, verse 4, and it will actually work our way backwards. It works better for the point. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul talking to the people, he says, The God of this age has blinded the what? Come on, he's blinded the what? The minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Well, doesn't that make sense now when you talk to your friends and your family? It feels like you're talking to a blind person. You know why? Because they're blind. Well, where are they blind at? Are they blind in their physical eyes? Oh, I can't see the gospel. I can't see what God is doing. No, they're blind in their minds. And that means in their mind they have some of those 50,000 thoughts that are unbelief or questions that they just don't believe can have answers. Oh, is there a God? Is there not a God? I don't know. I don't think we can really know. You know, who was Jesus? I don't really know. You know, do you know? I don't think you know. I think you're faking it. And then they have all of these thoughts in their mind. But how many know just because you think it, it's not true? How many know out of your 50,000 thoughts, some of them are wrong? How many know out of your 50,000 thoughts, you've had some bright ideas that weren't so bright? How many of you said some things that you thought would be cool but wouldn't be cool? Come on. So why do we trust this cantaloupe-sized brain to tell us everything about the universe? You see, what the devil tries to do is convince the unbeliever that everything that there is to know, they already know. And then that's why we call them know-it-alls. And what they think in their mind is what they think is true for the entire world. That's why I kind of like to fry their little brain cells when I talk to people who think they know everything. So when I talk to an atheist and he says, I don't believe there's a God. I said, have you met every person on the planet? He says, no. I said, how do you know God's not living in China? There's like little brain cell fried right there. So I'm like, you're just saying there's not a God, but God could be right down the road. Have you met the person down the road? You haven't even met anybody. I said, have you ever traveled to Pluto? No. Well, God could be on Pluto. So whatever you think you know, you don't know everything. Then I would say, do you know everything? No, I don't know everything. Do you know half of everything? No. How much of everything do you think you know? Probably very little. Do you think compared to everything you probably know anything? No, probably not. And this little brain cell fries again. And then they say this like this. There's no absolute truth. You know, it's just your opinion versus my opinion. I say, is that an opinion or is that a truth? That's a truth. Hold on. You just said there was no truth and now your first no truth is that there's, you know, there's, your first no truth is that there's truth. You see, because people make statements that they don't think about. You see, and why are they doing that? Because they're blind. You see, right now, 
if every one of you here was blind and I tried to describe to you what this church looked like and you've never been here before, it would be like so different from what it was really like. Now, if I, you know, if I blindfolded you and I said, here's a stage and this and that, and I said, now draw what you think I talked about, you would draw a totally different picture. And so the idea is the devil doesn't want you to open your eyes and see the gospel. The devil doesn't want people to really hear what God is saying. He wants them to stick in their own mind and make them feel like they know everything and everything that they know is all that there can be known and nobody else knows it. That's why you say, well, what's the answer when you talk to an atheist? Is you say, listen, I've experienced God. So if they say, well, I've never experienced God, we'll say, listen, I have. Let me tell you about him. You see, the moment you have an experience, you've just outdone somebody with an argument. How many know people could argue with the man who walked on the moon and say, no, the moon's not like that. The moon couldn't be like that. No, the, and then all, all, you know, Buzz Armstrong or Neil Armstrong, whatever he has to say is just, you know what, have you been there? No, you haven't been. Have you seen it? No, I've been there. And how many know Christians, when our minds were open, we were blind, but now we see. We know that God is real. And that's how we talk to people. We talk to people from, from an experience because now we see God. Amen. Look at 2 Corinthians 3.14. If you believe it, say amen. Ricky, would you give me some water, please? Thank you. 3.14 of Corinthians. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains with the old, when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. You see, my friends, some people's minds are dull, and they can't see Christ until the veil is taken away. Go to 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. I'm just going to give you a ton of scriptures, and I'm going to start helping you as a Christian. But I want to show you how we were as unbelievers, so you don't get this idea like, oh, I've always been pretty smart. No, you haven't, little smarty pants. You haven't been that smart. You've actually been pretty dull, and you've been blind. And now that you just got your eyes open to Christ, you're just a little child. You're new at this. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. Thank you, brother. But I am afraid, just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds have somehow been led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So what happens to people? Their minds become dull, their minds are blinded, and they get led astray. How many of you have ever been led astray by your own mind? Two of you, three of you, come on. And where does it happen? It starts right here. It starts right here in your mind, you know? Well, why don't I try this? Why don't I do this? Anybody here ever been addicted to something? Come on. Well, I'll just try this cigarette one time. I'll just, I'll just try it. Oh, it doesn't really taste that good, but I'll do it again. And then before you know it, you're addicted. And what that means is, is that you cannot control the substance with your mind anymore. You don't have control over it. It has control over you because now in your thoughts, you're trying to say, I don't want to smoke. I don't want to drink. But yet you keep doing it. And so now you've given your control and it's in your mind to something else. And that's what happens in abusive relationships. People hand over their mind. It's like they're literally giving their thoughts to somebody else. And they're saying, here, take control. Tell me who I am. And the husband says to the wife, you're garbage. You're nothing. You're nothing. And then you know what begins to happen? That wife begins to think in her head from the moment she gets up to the moment she gets to bed. Nobody loves me. I'm nothing. I'm ugly. I'll never find anything better than this. This is my life. You think that 50,000 times a day for a few years, you'll look just how that battered woman looks right now. Hello, somebody. And then you try to set her free, and then she'll go right back to that man. Why? Because in her mind, she's in the merry-go-round. She's in the broken record cycle, and she cannot get out of it. 
Now, what does the world offer us? The world offers us new age philosophies. Tell how much, tell yourself in the mirror how much you love yourself. I love you. You look so good. Mm, beautiful. Sashay. And then you sashay yourself right out the door. And then the first person looks at you and says, you're an idiot. He's, oh, I'm an idiot. You know why? Because the world cannot give you power over the things that involve your mind because your mind is a part of your soul. And really, your soul can only be changed by God. You can take a duck. You can put a little little outfit on it, put a little suit on it, put a little top hat, a little cane, tape it to its little duck feather, wing, whatever. You can spray a little cologne on it. But how many know after you've done all of that, it's still a duck? How many know you can do the same thing with the pig and the moment you let it go, where's that pig going to go? It's going to go right to the mud with that nice suit, Stacy Adams shoes, and a little bit of, you know, CK1 cologne. Hello? And until you're born again, your mind is thinking, thinking. This is a corrupt hard drive. You cannot change it. That's why you have to be born again because now God is inside of you. And that's why it says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world because now you can transform this mind. Go with me to Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Somebody say the battle for the mind. Let's get excited as we change some stinking thinking today. Amen. How many want to clear out the old hard drive and put in some new information? How many just want to believe what God says? Amen? Now, what is the devil called? Does anybody know in the Bible what he's called? A liar. Somebody say a liar. Come on, say liar. The devil is called a liar. You know why? Because he tells lies. Think about it. He tells lies. He's a liar. Now, listen to me. When he talks to you and me, what does he tell us? So pretty much, whatever he says, the opposite is true. Nobody likes you. That means God's blessing you with friendship. He says you can't make it. That means your breakthrough's right around the corner. He says that person will never change. That means God's going to change their life. Come on. You can just pretty much bet whatever you feel the devil is trying to put into your mind, God is fixing to do the opposite. You see, and with the devil, what he does is look at your spirit, man, your soul connected to your spirit because your mind. I'll put it, you got the book for me, brother. Put up the book. Show him the soul, the spirit, and the body. I want to show you this as I'm describing this to you. Your soul and spirit, the Bible says, is one. And it provides a connection to God. Your spirit is that inner part of you that God dwells within. And if you're not right with God, the devil can come there, and that's where people get possessed. Now listen, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. The Bible also calls that your heart. Somebody say your heart. So when we say Jesus lives in our heart, we don't mean Jesus lives in the cardiovascular system of our body, you know, in the arteries. Amen? What we're saying is is that Jesus is in my mind. I think about him now, and I've dedicated my life to him. He's in my will. I will to do his commands, and he's in my emotions. I get excited when I think about him. Amen? So Jesus is in my heart. He's in my soul. Now my body and your body is a touch, taste, see, smell, and hear your five senses, okay? Now listen, when the devil comes along, he comes along and he wants to speak to your mind. So how does he come to your mind? He can't come and just say to your ears, hello, I'm the devil. I'd like to put some thoughts in your mind. No, what he does is he comes to your spirit. And think of your spirit now like an antenna. And you can get devil AM or Holy Ghost FM. Okay? 
No offense to people who listen to AM. I'm just giving you an example. You can have devil AM or Holy Ghost FM. And here's where it is. The devil will start sending you his thoughts. So now, not only do you have a corrupt hard drive, your brain, your own mind thinking corrupt thoughts, but now the devil is also putting corrupt thoughts there as well. And as I told the example before, you, you, you know, you deal with temptation, say, oh, man, I'm struggling. The devil says, yes, you're struggling. You'll never get out of it. I'm dumb. Yes, you're a fool. Uh, my marriage will never change. That's right. You're going to get a divorce. You see, the devil just comes and reinforces that. And then also he likes to tempt you and draw you away with things that maybe you haven't thought about before. That's why you talk to some people and they say, I never thought I would ever do this. Why? Because they got so used to being blind from God and his ways that when the devil kept suggesting things to them, they ended up doing things they never thought they would do hello and that's why alcohol and drugs it dulls the mind you are more susceptible to temptation that's why the bible says be sober-minded okay so this is where you're at right here now look at this and turn to romans chapter 12 verse 1 so those that are, are, are relying upon the karaoke bible you're going to, have to be big boys and girls and turn to your bible come on everybody say the bible come on somebody say i need it Praise God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Make sure you bring your Bibles to church. Praise the Lord. Romans 12, verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Okay, so what are we going to do with the body? Offer it as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Woo! Come on, somebody. Come on, can you say amen? Amen. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, how many know if I took an alive sacrifice and I put it on an altar right now, lit it on fire, how many know that thing would be squealing? How many know that cow would be making some noise right now? You are a living sacrifice. Do you ever feel the fire of God purging you sometimes? Do you ever feel sometimes like, oh, why did I do that? God, you're convicting me. I should have known better. Why? Because God is dealing with you, and he's telling you, crucify that flesh. Zip it up before you say that. Stop thinking that. Don't act that way. And what's the result sometime in our flesh? I give up, God. I'll, I'll do it. Because we are living sacrifices. So what that means is when your, your life, your body wants to resist God, what are you supposed to do? Control it with your mind and say, my body's going to be a sacrifice. So here comes an addiction into my body, sex, whatever it is, drugs. Here comes the addiction. I have something I can't quit. Now, uh, the bad attitude. Do you know, by the way, that the moment somebody says something to you you don't like, do you know that your emotions, this is scientific, will flare up before your thoughts even come? That's how fast your body works. So if somebody says, well, you said that, well, I think this. And then the moment they say that to you, your emotions go, ding, 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 bang, and like explode the thermometer. And then what happens is, what do we start thinking? What our emotions are now feeling? You know what I'm saying? That's how the claws come out. Somebody take off my earrings. Hold this for me. I'm going down. You know what I'm saying? Hello? And so you're thinking, 
that you're thinking while you're acting. You ain't thinking. Your emotions took over, and now you're thinking about your emotions, how angry you are. That's why people say get control, because if you can actually think faster or think out your feelings, you won't act crazy. That's why sometimes you've got to sit back and relax, because what are you doing? You're catching up your mind with your emotions, because your emotions will zap faster and move faster than your thinking part. Hello. That's why you see it all the time in people. You're like, you're not thinking. You're doing something dumb. So here's the point right here. When God is dealing with us, he's saying, you're going to be a living sacrifice. You're born again. you got the spiritual connection. But you know what you need to do? You need to transform your mind. Everybody say, transform your mind. Now, how does that work out? The Greek word for transform is metamorpho, where we get the word metamorphosized. And the greatest example of something being metamorphosized is a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. And so you look at, you start Christianity with this caterpillar mind, and you, you're in the dirt, and it's nasty, and it's gross. You know, it's just, that's my mind. I can't help it. And you think that way. And how many know you, when you first get saved, you really realize how nasty your mind is? Dude, the moment I got saved, I'm like, oh, why am I thinking that? Oh, yuck, that's like goop, it's nasty. How many understand what I'm talking Don't act like you don't know. Come on, somebody. It wasn't until I first got saved. Why? Because the lights went on. I talk, when I talk to guys and they don't say they have a problem with lust, I'm like, oh, you're just numb. You're blind. You don't even know what's going on. It was when I got saved and I said, okay, I'm not going to have sex. I'm not going to look at pornography. And then all of a sudden, like, I see the, you know, the Cosmopolitan magazine. I start thinking all this stuff. I'm like, ah, oh, it's gross. What is that? stuff in my mind for you know it was when i wanted to start controlling my temper that i realized oh my gosh i got such a nasty temper up there oh good get that out of there you see because what happened was when you got saved that spiritual life came to you but it hasn't transformed your mind yet you see the day you got saved what you were saying is god changed me here on the inside and now help me think like you help me act like you help me be like you and that is a process, my friends, until you reach heaven. And that's where a lot of us, we lose it because we thought the moment we came up here and we got Holy Ghost that like, Holy Ghost tongues, we think we're going to like walk out of here and be like, God bless you, brother. We're going to be like in traffic. Somebody's going to cut us off. Hey, God bless you too. Love you. I'm going to pray for you tonight. And then we think we're going to go home, and husbands and wives are going to be, you're so cute. No, you're so cutie, cute, cute. And it's like, oh, you forgot to cook me dinner? That's okay. Guess what? I brought you home something. You know, and we think life is just going to be perfect. But you know what the issue is? We still got stinking thinking. And if we don't teach you in the church how to change your stinking thinking, as the Bible says, be transformed, you'll think you're crazy. And you'll say, well, how does Joe live for Jesus? How does Ish live for Jesus? And it's so goopy and nasty up in my mind. How do they come up here smiling? How do they go to prayer meetings? How do they have a good marriage? Oh, they must be different. They must be experiencing a different type of Christianity. It must not have worked for me. No, it's not true. We're experiencing the same Christianity, but we're, we're doing what the Bible says, being transformed transformed and i want everybody to be transformed that's what the bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind so it's being metamorphosized and guess what it's becoming ricky ricardo in the back it's becoming new so this joe today is not the joe of yesterday i've been transformed just a little bit more and i'm not the joe of 14 years ago somebody say thank you jesus Woo! you know what and you should be changing too 
You see, because the battle is right up here. Let me give you a few more scriptures. Now go with me to uh, Philippians chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 19, and Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And also I'm going to give you another Philippians, and I'm going to start with the last one actually. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Go to Philippians, the church of Philippi, chapter 4. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 8, and then we'll work our way backwards as this as well with this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Oh, come on, people. i got to read that again. Whatever, my brothers, is true. So you know what you need to do? You need to take your thoughts through the filter system of Philippians chapter 8. So you need to think about your thoughts going right through this filter system. And you do not allow a thought to become the meditation of your life. Because you know what? Let me just pause right here and help you a little bit. You and I will still have crazy thoughts the day we meet Jesus. I remember hearing a pastor, an old guy, he was awesome, gray hair, <laughs> on his way to meet the Lord. And I remember him telling me, he said, on the way here, I, I looked in my rearview mirror in the car, and he said, man, there was this beautiful woman in the car. And he said, man, I started having some crazy thoughts. He said, so you know what I did? He said, I took my Bible and I set it right on the dashboard, and I started thinking about Jesus. And I sat there as an 18-year-old man, I'm like, this old dude. <laughs> I'm like, man, if this old dude's still dealing with it, what do you think this raging bull is going through right now? I'm like, oh, my Lord, have mercy. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no deliverance from this brain. I mean, until I die, think about it, die, it's dead. Your sacrifice is no longer living, it's dead. I'm going to deal with that. So here's what he has to do. Here's what I have to do. Here's what you have to do. You've got to think about these thoughts. They're crazy. They're from the world. They're from the devil. They're from all the years you lived as an unsaved person. And you have to think that when these thoughts come in, what they're trying to do is to become the meditation of your mind. So you have a thought. Well, I can look at that girl. Or you can say, what, what is this? Is it true? Well, it may be true that she's good looking. But is it noble? No, it's not noble. So it didn't even make it past the second phase. Are you with me? Is it right? No, it's not right. Is it pure? Certainly not pure. So you get, you're straining your thoughts, and whatever's left, you can meditate on. So here comes that thought. Look at that girl. And all of a sudden, you bring up the scripture, and you say, is it pure? Is it noble? Is it true? Is it right? No, can't meditate on it. But where do Christians fail? They say, well, I had a thought, so that must mean I, that's me thinking, so I should be me, and me is thinking about these things. And then before you know it, they're thinking about those things, and it becomes the meditation of their heart, and they still got all that goop and that stinking thinking in their brain, and they have no victory. And they're wondering why for their whole life they're struggling with perversion or alcohol or depression or any type of sin and temptation, bitterness, gossip, and they don't understand that they can take control of that thought. Praise God, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Do you know how many times I have squealed like a piglet on the altar when it comes to this right here? Admirable, 
Do you know that I can't think of you in an unadmirable way? That the moment I try to think of people in the church or people who don't like me in an unadmirable way, God rebukes me, and then all of a sudden it's like, it's like my flesh is sizzling, and I feel it dying. And what's happening while that flesh is dying? My mind's being renewed. God is disciplining me. No, you can't think that about them. No, you can't meditate about that. No, you've got to forgive them. You've got to love them. Bless them. Hallelujah. Pray for them. And then you know what's going on when I start praying for my enemies. Blessing those who persecute me. My mind is transformed. My meditation is different now. Come on, somebody. Say amen. Now turn with me to Second uh, Corinthians again. And I want you to see now what are some things that you can do. Now that I've sparked your interest in this, go with me to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 3. And I want you to see now what you and I are supposed to do and the weapons that we have. And if I can just take the next hour and explain them to you, I think I can feel like I've satisfied what God wanted me to do. Amen? Okay, praise God. <laughs> praise the Lord. Second Corinthians, and brother, can you put it up there for us? Now everybody get where the soul is at right here, and the spirit, and the... Body, so your body, soul, and spirit. Okay. Going now to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. We're going to learn now how the Bible gives us weapons, how God gives us weapons, and what He teaches us. Verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. So we are at war. There's a battle. Somebody say, there's a battle. Come on, say it like you're a warrior. Say, there's a battle. Amen. Verse 4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What's the devil trying to get on you? A foothold, which is what? A stronghold. And how does God want you to fight with that? He gives you divine power, hallelujah, to demolish those strongholds. Verse 5, we demolish what? Arguments. Woo, come on, it's tight, but it's right. You see, all that stinking thinking is really an argument of what God's trying to tell you to do. Well, God, I'm perverted. No, I made you pure. Well, God, I'm, I'm angry because that's the way my family's. No, I made you calm and peace-loving. God, I have to gossip because I don't feel good unless I tell everybody what they did to me. No, I made you a kind person. Speak words of life. You see, we say the argument in our mind. This is the way it is, God. And like we want to try to convince God, God, you don't know how it is. God, it's so tough to try to change. It's so tough to be pure in this world. It's so tough to be loving. It's so tough to read your Bible. And God is saying that's all an argument. That's all a lie. And that's all coming from the devil. And I have given you divine power to demolish that junk in Jesus' name. Power. Praise God. We demolish arguments and every pretension, which is like a thought that comes against something. It's another way of saying argument. Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. Every thought. Come on, somebody say every thought. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Come out here, thought. Look at I won't do that. Get out of it. God, I caught you. No, get out of it. Ah, yes, I'll do that. You go over here. Good thought. Every thought you take captive. Every one of them. You say, hey, whose side are you on? You trying to bring me to the flesh? 
You're trying to bring me to the devil? You're trying to get a stronghold? No, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. The knowledge of God in me rebukes you. I cast you out. I will not do that. I can't let you control my life. Another thought comes, Holy Ghost, love your neighbor. Give generously. Go to the church. Go to prayer. Yes, I'll do those things. You see, ultimately you're in control. God gave you a will. God gave you the ability to decide. Now you decide every day. You say, Pastor, well, I've already decided I'm on Jesus' side. Yes, that's true. Many of you, you say, I'm born again. If you're not born again, come on, you're in some trouble. You need to get born again. But listen, if you've said, well, I'm born again, Pastor, that's not where it ends, my friend. Because every day you still have 50,000 thoughts coming through your mind. Are you going to allow those thoughts to take you away from God and you're going to live in defeat and a pity patty party? Nobody understands me. I've gone to that church and they just don't get me. And I've told them that in my life it's so different. And they just don't. Shut up, you're arguing with God. I rebuke you. But I love you a lot. The Bible says an open rebuke is better than hidden love. And I'm just showing you how much I love you. That's why we rebuke people in church. Because when we hear their arguments, we're like, shh, 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 shh. Lock it up. Throw it again. Think. Good thought. Bad thought. Good thought. Bad thought. That's what a mature Christian does, my friend. A mature Christian doesn't say, I'm just going to go with the flow, whatever I think I'm going to do, because that's what got you where you were. That's your best thinking got you where you were as a sinner on your way to hell, my friends. That's why Jesus Christ had to save us, sanctify us, purify us. And now you know that's called good news, my friends. How many just want to fight the devil in some thoughts today? Come on, how many want to take down some arguments and demolish them? I want to give you guys a few more scriptures on this. Turn with me now to uh, Ephesians. Turn with me to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. Start in verse 22. Ephesians 4, 22. When you're there, say I'm there. Come on, look at verse 22. It says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. How many know your mind brings up those deceitful desires? Well, if you treat that person this way, you'll feel better. But they don't tell you you've just separated a whole relationship. Well, if you drink this, you'll be okay. No, it doesn't tell you you'll still be addicted. Well, if, if you don't go to church today and you sleep in, You'll, you'll be able to do better next week. How many know laziness sets in? Oh, if you don't give to this the tithe this time, you'll give it next time. How many know greed sets in? See, how many know the Bible says, when the, when the Bible says right here that you are being deceived, how many know deception doesn't seem deception unless you have the truth? How many know when the people of the, uh, the Holocaust, the Nazis, who were putting Jewish people into furnaces to burn them, how many know they were deceived and didn't even know it? They were told that they were animals. So in their mind, they were just slaughtering cows. Jews going in by the millions. You see, when you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived unless you have the truth. And what the Bible is saying here is that your evil desires deceive you. They deceive me. 
You know what the devil loves to do? He loves to come and remind you of those high points in your past. Oh, oh, hey, 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 come on. Hey, come here. Hey, hey. Yeah, remember that day you used to hang out on the corner and you had some fun there, kid? Hey, you remember that? You're like, oh, devil, that was kind of... Hey, yeah, remember I gave you some money? Yeah, you had a lot of money, kid? Hey, you had a good time. Hey, yeah, you remember that? Hey, yeah, I do. Hey, well, you can have it all again, kid, all of that and then some. Hey, you want to come on and get it. But you know what he doesn't tell you? He doesn't remind you of the time you were puking in the toilet and passed out on yourself in your own mess. He doesn't tell you about the time you had to sit in the STD clinic to get yourself checked out, hoping to God you were clean. He didn't tell you about the best friends you lost to drugs and violence. He doesn't tell you about the mother who lived the way you did and abused you growing up. He doesn't tell you. He sounds like that little con. Hey, come on. Hey, hey, hey. Want it? Hey, come on. Look how good it looks, kid. Hey. And he doesn't tell you he's deceiving you because deception is not deception unless you have the knowledge to know it's deceiving you. Because the Bible says you'll do that to yourself. See, look at what it says. You are taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So when the devil's like, hey, kid, I come on, shut up, devil. I put on a new me and I'm made in the righteousness of Christ Jesus. I don't have to be like you anymore. Hallelujah. I don't have to be angry. I don't have to be depressed. I don't have to be addicted. Well, nobody's perfect, Pastor. Yeah, but I've been created in Christ Jesus in the righteousness and holiness of God. I'm nothing, but He's everything. I'm naked and wretched, miserable, blind and poor, but He is holiness and He is righteousness and He created a new self for me and it comes into my spirit and it transformed my mind, will and emotions so that I can walk out in my body the will of God and please Him in all that I do. Because we're put here to please God. We're put here to live like Jesus. We're here to live as overcoming conquerors and to destroy the works of the devil. How many believe it? Say amen. Come on, I want the victory, my friends. I want to go to another level. Go back with me now to Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. A few more scriptures. So the, the thing you learn right here is number one, take off the old, put on the new. What do you have to do? Number one, take off the old, put on the new. That's what you do with your thoughts. You take off the old, you put on the new. Is that the old self? Is that a deceitful thought? Is that a lie? Well, take it off and put on the new. What would Christ do? How would Christ treat his wife? How would Christ pay his bills? How would Christ go to work? How would Christ deal with enemies? And you do that with every thought and every action, and you say, God, I want to be like you, righteous and holy. Number two, Colossians 1, verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemy in your where? Come on, in your where? In your minds because of evil behavior. But now, hallelujah, He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish. In God's eyes, you're perfect when you accepted Jesus. We don't always act that way because thinking, thinking brings us back to our old self. But the new self is created in perfection, my friends. 
You're not trying to become better. When you got saved, you became perfect in Christ. It's where we sin that we lose that perfection. It's like Adam and Eve every day. They're perfect and they lose it perfectly. Lose it. That's what we keep doing. And it's God saying, I'm patient with you. I'm working through this with you. I'm waiting for you to get the point so you can change. And every day you're perfecting other areas of your life and getting closer to Him. How many know some of you right now are perfect at not murdering? Okay, watch. The command says, do not murder. How many have been perfect at keeping that today? (laughs) How many have not killed anybody, in other words? Okay. If God can do it for that, how come he can't do it with adultery? He can't. Why doesn't he do it with lying? He can't. Let him. Let him change you into all of those commands that you and I follow them. It's not a fairy tale. It's the Bible, my friends. But now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. What do I have to do? Paul, tell me, verse 23, if you continue in your faith. Come on. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to go out there and be a hairy Christian with a little funny ponytail and dance around giving out free roses. I don't have to pray five times towards Mecca. You know what you need to do, friend? Continue in the faith that says, I know if He saved me, He can sanctify me, and He can keep me. If you continue in your faith, established and firmed, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, Number one, you take off the old self, you put on the new. You do it every day. Every day. God, I'm going to live according to the new man you made me to be. I will feed the spirit, man. I will read read the word and pray. Get around Christian fellowship. Be accountable. You know what? You want to stop sinning in your life? Tell somebody your darkest secret sin and say, ask me tomorrow if I did it. Hello? That's called accountability, friends. That's called confessing your sins one to another, as James says. And then the second thing is, you know what you do? You continue in your faith. You believe I can change. Does anybody believe they can change? Does anybody believe that God, after he saved you, can change your stinking thinking? Praise God. And let's go on now to number three. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Take off the old, put on the new. Let God take control of your thoughts. Praise God. Now look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Lord, help us get it today. Start in verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Now I'm telling you, your heart is your mind, and you're going to see in just a minute how you know it's your mind because it's going to interchange the words. So your heart, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your what? See, right before it said, set your hearts. Now verse 2, how does it apply that to it? What's the heart? I don't know, Paul. Tell me. Set your minds. 50,000 thoughts. This is racing through our brain today. Set them on the things above. Not on earthly things. For you died. I died, Paul? Yeah. That day you accepted Christ, the adulterer died. The liar died. The man on addiction, the woman addicted, died. The bitter person died. The gossiper died. The person dealing with pain and hurt of the past, they died. That rebellious teenager died. That sarcastic, mocking spirit died. That lazy, greedy spirit died. See, you died back then. For you died. And your life now is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. 
So what do we do? Number three, we set our hearts on things above. We realize that, you know what? God didn't make us to live this way. Adam and Eve were not created with problems from their bad relationships. They were not created with abuse from their parents. They were not created with a bitterness towards people who look better than them. They were not created with lust and adultery. They were not created with contention. They were created perfect in God's image. And when you were born again, that sinful nature was put to death. And now it's a living sacrifice because every time it tries to raise from the dead like a zombie, I'm coming back to life. I'm going to be Put you to death, flesh. Die. And now let the love flow. Life of God. Life of God. You get what I'm saying? Die. Die. Life. Come on, everybody, just do it. Die. Life. (laughs) It's okay to have fun in church. That's what you do, number three. And number four, put to death, therefore. Well, Paul, I thought it was already dead. Paul understands that flesh resurrects itself. Now he says, put it to death, therefore. Whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Look what he calls it. Not your, not your earthly nature. You've got a heavenly nature now. Now he describes it for you. Here are the things I've been trying to hit on. You know, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Hello, this is why he's going to set this place on fire. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, Filthy language from your lips. Keep going, brother. Verse 9. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, Puerto Rican or Mexican, gringo or non-gringo, hello somebody, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Hallelujah! Woo! Uh, And therefore, as God's chosen people, holy. Who are we, Paul? We're chosen and we're holy, dearly loved. Praise God. Clothe yourself. Come on, you took off the old and you're not sitting here all naked. You're going to clothe yourself now. Because some people say, I don't do bad stuff. I don't do bad. You're just a little naked little thing then. Because I just don't do bad stuff. I got some good stuff on me, baby. I got some Gucci right here. Here it is. I'm going to clothe myself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and Patience, praise God, help me with that. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgives you. And over all these virtues, put on love. There's the bling bling right there, ladies. Put it on. Love. Come on, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let's all stand together, praise God. Band, would you come? Can somebody say amen for the Word of God this morning? Andrew, would you go back to the book, please? I want to go to that uh, question and answer where it shows them the, the two ways to, to live in victory. How many understand now how to get rid of some stinking thinking? Praise God. You know what a pastor does? I could stay on this all day. What a pastor is here to do is influence your thinking. But how many know what I do for an hour and a half doesn't really compete with the TV if you've been doing it three hours a day? See, go back to that first example. If you're feeding the one dog and starving the other, the one you're starving is going to die. 
And if you're saying, I want to live for God, but all you really do is show up at church and listen to a couple of our messages, maybe on Friday, youth group, hang out a little bit, you're missing it. You need to learn how to go home by yourself and apply these words. You need to learn how to take off the old, put on the new. You need to learn how to set your mind on things above. You need to learn to put things to death and put things on. Because today there's a blessing for you. And you're not going to receive it. I'm not going to receive it if we live in stinking thinking. I want you to see this illustration. Just go up a little bit for me, please, brother. Just go down all the way to the questions of the, the end of the book. It's in our book if you have it. Obviously, this is the first lesson. If you don't, you can buy the book. It's free online. Keep going, brother, to the illustrations. Look at this. Until the believer reaches heaven, there will be a continual fight within himself between the Spirit of God and his own sinful nature. The picture's been cut off a little bit. But right over here is supposed to be the sinful nature, and right over there is the Bible. Now you've said, well, I've made Jesus the Lord of my life. But now every day there's that battle for your mind. Does that picture make sense to everybody? That's what it's like now. Well, I can go back to my old ways. It's so easy, Pastor. I don't think you understand. No, I understand. Well, I get tempted to go back to my old ways. But I also hear the Word of God speaking to me. Why? Because I feed it. I feed it to my spirit, to my soul every day. See, reading your Bible every day is not, you know, just, well, I kind of do it because... I just want to feel good. You know, I'll read a psalm before I go to bed. No, man, this is your food for your soul. Like I said, somebody being deceived doesn't know they're being deceived unless they get the truth. How do you know what is a lie? What is your thought? What is God's thought? You've got to test it by the Word. When you take those thoughts captive, what are you going to test them by? You're going to test them by the Word of God. I've had Bible school students say to me, you know what, my girlfriend and I, we're having sex, and God told us it's okay because we're going to get married one day. See, they took a thought, and they thought it was God, and they didn't know how to, you know, to uh, take a captive and test it by the Word. Yeah, and I could keep you here all day. I've had people tell me, yeah, God told me to come to this church, but He doesn't want me to join the 101 class and be discipled. He, he told me that. Okay, did you read this when He was telling you that? The Bible says, be a disciple. Put it right in here, my friends. Download it. Praise God. Come on. Somebody's getting some revelation right now. I've talked to people, and they said, oh, yeah, God told me I could date that person. They're not saved, but, you know, they're a good person. Hold on. Did you, did you test that by this? You see, how do you know what's good and evil? The Bible says by the Word of God. This is how you discern it. Galatians 5.17 says, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want have you ever felt that way man i feel like i'm out of control i'm not you know i'm trying things it's not really working out the way i thought it was you know why it's because the sinful nature is taking over and then have you ever done things for God? And you're like, whoa, I had no idea this would happen. I followed God here and it's just, zam, I found my wife. Burn up, do I get an amen on that? Shazam, you found your wife. It just happened. He's like, he's following God. He's doing the right thing. And all of a sudden, things that he never even knew could happen, happen. Bing, bing, bong, there it is. 
Why? Because God can make things happen that you and I can't make happen because it's by the Spirit. And it's the same thing with the flesh. If I do things crazy, the devil will do negative things that I never thought could happen. Which one are you going to submit to? What power do you want in your life? Do you want the power of sin, the power of the flesh, or do you want the power of God? Last illustration in closing. For the old sinful mind to change into the mind of Jesus, it must be daily renewed by the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 12, 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's saying, God, I'm choosing this today. I'm taking every thought captive and I'm choosing this. Let's pray. Father, I pray that today we take thoughts captive. That, God, we don't let these thoughts just run through our head and believe every one of them. That, God, we don't let these become the meditation of our hearts. God, you spoke to us so clearly today that the battle is in our minds. That the devil, he blinds us, dulls us, and deceives us. But God, you give us knowledge. You set us free. You redeem us, wash us, cleanse us, and you give us new life. Wherever you are right now in your life, whatever path you're on, whatever journey you're taking right now, maybe it's the journey of marriage. Maybe it's the journey of a new life as a young adult. Maybe it's starting college or, you know, being a new father or parent, whatever you're going through. I want you to think about what you think about for the next few moments. How's your thought life, man? What do you think about most of the day, most of the time and throughout the day? Are your thoughts on God's Word and testing everything and speaking forth His promises and, come on, acting in kindness, humility, and love? Or are the things of this world, the impurity, the evil desires, the greed, the slander, the malice, are they taking over? The next few moments right now, I'm going to ask that you would ask the Lord for a brainwashing that you would get brainwashed right now. That a cleansing would come. That a repentance would come from ways that you've chosen that are wicked and that you would turn from it. And that today we would make a decision to serve God. Come on, just in closing, just sing that song. I'm coming your way as we pray. Because all of us need to pray these prayers right now. Oh, Lord, change my thinking today. Make my thoughts acceptable to you. I'm coming your way. Transform us today like transformers, God. Transform us. We're tired of being caterpillars, God. We want to be butterflies, Lord. Come on, some of you have lived within your own thoughts, and that has defined you. You need to throw that off today. I'm coming. And you need to say, God, I'm taking your thoughts. I'm going to let it wash me. Wash me clean. I speak words of life today over those of you praying right now to be cleansed from perversion. I can testify, as the other men of this church can testify, that perversion can be washed away. 
I pray right now for those who are wanting to be washed free from the pain of the past. I pray right now you'll sense a cleansing come over your mind that will go through this week and you'll know that you know you've been changed. I pray for a cleansing today for those of you who are praying freedom from the past. That you're like in a broken record every day. It's just, this is who I was. This is who I was. This is who I was. And then you just keep repeating, this is who I am. This is who I am. This is what they did to me. This is what they did to me. Come on. Forgive them, as the Bible says, and move on. Jesus. I pray for people today that are like myself. You've been living for the Lord for a season. But every now and then you face a roadblock. And it just throws you off. And you say, how did that come up? Well, it's like that old preacher said, i got to think on the Word now. i got to think on the Word. I want to recall some of the leaders here back to their first love of the Word of God. That you'll think on the Word of God. That you'll be quick to shut off the TV. You'll be quick to pull yourself away and just put on the audio Bible. Take a walk. You'll be quick to read it on your breaks. Why? Because you're seeing that your mind is being dulled again. You're being deceived again. You think a leader wakes up with a prostitute? You think a leader wakes up sleeping with their girlfriend? You think a leader just does it? No. It's a drawing of the devil. It's a tempting of the devil. I think of pastors who committed affairs and stole money. You think they just woke up and did that? No. It was a drawing away. A gradual dulling of the mind. Come on. I speak right now. Rejuvenation to all of the leaders in this place. Renewing of the mind. The sharpness. The, the sharpness of God in your mind again. I rebuke depression right now in Jesus' name. Those of you that think those thoughts every day and maybe you've already taken medication and they've tried to give you some serotonin in your body to to help you, but that the serotonin can't kick in your thoughts and your thoughts just keep staying negative and it brings you down. I want to tell you something. The Bible says laughter does good like a medicine. You need to begin to get full of God's joy. Tell the devil he's a liar and love life again. Not because I said so. Not because you looked in the mirror and loved yourself. But because Jesus loved you. Oh, what a joy it is to be forgiven. What a joy it is. The Bible says that the presence of God is the fullness of joy. Don't let depression or fear take over. Could we hold each other's hand today? Come on. And let's just pray for each other as we get from one place to another by God's Spirit, but never away from His presence. We may move out of this place, but we don't move from God. He's in us. Just pray for the person's hand you're holding. Just say, God, I just pray for a refreshing, refreshing thoughts to come into their mind today. God thoughts. Come on, I speak peace into every mind today. Peace. The Bible says, May the peace of God, which transcends your understanding, guard your heart and mind. Come on, may the peace of God guard you today from temptation. May the peace of God guard you today from the struggles you face. I'm not here today to tell you you're not going through struggles. Many of you are. I'm not telling you to deny it and just tell yourself everything's okay. No, I'm telling you to fight it. I'm telling you to take a hold of those thoughts, cast down those worries, and let peace guard your mind. And even when you can't understand it, the Bible says it will, it will transcend your own understanding. Even though you say, I don't understand 
what God is doing, but I trust He's taking care of me. I have peace. Perfect peace. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask that my wife would just pray the fruit of the Spirit over us today. Keep holding each other's hand. As we, as my wife begins to pray the fruit of the Spirit over you, just begin to say, I receive love. I receive joy. I receive peace. Come on, we're going to pray the Spirit. Nancy, I want you to pray this prayer over the people today. Come on, as we get ready to pray the fruit of the Spirit, I want you just to receive it today like you never have before because today God is going to bless you with things you've never even seen. Yes, Lord. I want you to pray this over them today. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I ask for your perfect love to be developed in our life today. Help us to love our enemies, to forgive those who hurt us, and to be a vessel of your love to the hurting. Empower us to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul and mind and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us, no matter where we go today, to come in love and leave in love. Oh God, we receive your joy and we declare this since you are with us. We, are, we have the fullness of joy and we choose to rejoice in you always. Help us by your spirit to not let the devil, this world, our problems or other people take away your joy in our life. We choose to be happy. We choose to be full of joy because you are with us and you are always good. Father, we receive your peace today in the name of the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. We will allow you to be in control of our life and therefore we will trust you with your plans for our life. And we will rest in your presence. We know we will put our mind at peace when we put our mind on you. Because of you, we are free from all worry. We are free from all anxiety and fear. And we are at perfect peace in your loving arms, oh God. Give us patience today to go through the hard times in life. Help us to wait and to be still and know that you are in control. Everything that we think, oh God, or even when we think we can do it better, remind us that your ways are not our ways and your timeline is not our schedule. Therefore, we live in your strength, oh God, knowing that whatever we face today is in your plan and you have made a way of escape that will come at the appointed time you have set. Today, during our most trying times, we will remember to praise you for all the good things that you have already done. Oh Lord, teach us today to be kind and considerate of other people's feelings. Help us to look past our own selfish desires and see the hurts and needs of others. May your spirit give us compassion for the lost, understanding for the weak, patience for the insulting, and love for all. We choose to be kind instead of being rude or discourteous. We want people to see you in us today. God, we want to be good because you are always good. We want to do good things today because you always operate out of goodness. May your spirit use our life to show others your goodness. Let our words be for the good of those who hear them. May our actions be good to those I do them for. Let our thoughts be good towards those who you, uh, towards those of who we think of. We stand in your goodness, O oh God, and by your spirit we choose to walk in goodness today. Father, we want to be faithful. We do not just want to proclaim our love for you. We want to demonstrate our love for you by living a life faithful to you and to your commandments. 
Empower us to be faithful to our friends, our church, our job, to our community, and most importantly to you. Let our word be taken seriously to those that we give it to. Help us to fulfill every promise and commitment we make today. We accept your faithfulness, and we choose to live by it in all the areas of our life. God, teach us to be humble like Jesus. Help us to lower ourselves so you can lift us up. Remind us of the saying, the greatest among you will be the servant of all. Let your spirit give us the strength to be a servant to all and to prefer others above ourselves. Help us to carry our crosses, to crucify our ways, to crucify our wants and our needs. Help us to live for your glory according to your ways and look to others' wants and others' needs. We declare today that we will be gentle and meek by your spirit. We will lower ourselves so, Jesus, you can be lifted up. God, I, we give you control over our lives so that you can free us from all the bad attitudes, all the addictions, the selfishness, the harmful thinking and the destructive behaviors. We choose today to allow your spirit to guide, to guide all the areas of our life. Have control over our time management, over our diet, over our relationships, over our hobbies, money, our thought life, entertainment, and our family. Take control, Jesus. Our life is yours. We will not make excuses for our lack of control. Rather, we give you control and we declare by your spirit, we live life honoring you in all of our ways. In Jesus' name, amen. As I shout them out, say, I receive love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, humility, in faithfulness come on we receive it today the fruit of the spirit we think on these things come on slap somebody high five and say think on those things god bless you have a wonderful week we love you